First Timothy chapter 4. We should be wrapping up chapter 4 this morning. Uh, if you're new among us, this is the way that we, I've always done this. Uh, that doesn't mean that every now and then I don't do special sermons on occasions, but for the most part we preach through books, and we do it for a lot of reasons. But a couple of the main ones uh, happen to be these, and that is, number one, it keeps things in context. In other words, we have a much better understanding of the particular meaning of a passage because we keep it in the book in which it's in, in the chapter it's in, in the, in the paragraph that it's in, uh, etc., uh, the other thing is it's a way to protect you from me so that every Sunday morning I'm not coming before you and I'm telling you what I think you need to know. We're letting the Bible kind of do that for us. Uh, and I don't know about you. I think it's really the only way to do it long term. Uh, and I'm committed to doing it. And uh, we're going to continue to do it as long as I am here in the pulpit uh, unless some major transition comes along that changes my mind completely about it. I just, you know, I have this great passion for the Word of God and to convey it to other people. And I don't think that you and I can be exposed to it enough. And we need to know it more and more and, and more and more that it really li- is our life bread as Christians, uh, that we don't live uh, just by bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. Uh, so First Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> just going to be reading the last three verses there. <clears throat> Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance uh, with a laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these uh, things to be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. If you remember last week, uh, Paul had told Timothy not to let anyone look down upon him because he was younger and, and encouraged him to show himself as an example to all of those who believe that the things that he taught and that he preached would be exemplified in the manner in which he lived his life, in his conduct, in his behavior, in his, in his very nature as demonstrated. Uh, he encourages him now not to de- neglect the spiritual gift within you. And putting in that context, we understand that probably he has in mind here more than anything else the spiritual gifts of teaching and preaching or exhortation that he's discussed considerably already in this particular epistle. And he's been encouraging Timothy, especially in this last chapter, uh, to exercise spiritual discipline, that he himself would grow in grace, that he himself would grow in Christian maturity. Uh, and not only to do that himself, but also to encourage the rest of the brethren to do the same thing. And so we focused upon that over the last few weeks quite a bit. And I just want to ask you a question this morning. Has it made any difference? Have you been applying those means of grace, prayer, and the study of the Bible, and worship, uh, and, and works of service 
uh, to your betterment? Have you been doing that? Seriously. And if not, why not? These things are so important, guys and gals. And I just want to encourage you again this morning to do diligence, to be in the Word, to be people of prayer, to be people of service, and to be people who look forward and have a passion for worshiping God. He's focusing again on the spiritual gifts that were granted to Timothy. And I'll acknowledge this morning that they were given to him perhaps in a very special way. Bestowed on him through prophetic utterance and the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Now, this is an area where I think we need to make a little bit of distinction between the apostles and people who are not apostles. We understand this, that Paul was an apostle, and we know that, uh, that Jesus especially uh, had, had gifted these men that were called apostles for a purpose, and the purpose was to carry on his mission after he uh, ascended back into heaven uh, and to carry the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the world. And if you're familiar with the life history of these men, that's exactly what they did, and most of them died martyrs' deaths. They died because they had gone to many uh, remote places in the world and they were preaching Jesus Christ and they gave their lives uh, for that. But it seems as though, well, if you think about the commissioning uh, of the, the apostles and you think about the day of Pentecost, we're, we're, we're shown there in Scripture, told there in Scripture that there was a special empowering by the Holy Spirit that fell upon uh, the disciples as they were gathered there at, at Pentecost, and it appeared as the, this, this violent rushing wind you could hear and its tongues of fire that rested upon each one of them. And we understand that this was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending upon them and gifting them in, in, in order for them to be able to, co- to fulfill the commission that Christ had given to them to enable them to do that which they could not do apart from this. We also know that, uh, that the apostles seemed as though they were conduits by which the Holy Spirit was conveyed to other people at times. If you think about Samaria, that there were people there that, that uh, Philip and some of the others had gone to, the deacons had gone there and they had preached Christ, And they began to believe, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John went to them and and conveyed the Holy Spirit to them. You think about uh, the Apostle Paul when he came to Ephesus and he encountered some disciples of John the Baptist. And he asked them which baptism they were baptized in, uh, and etc. And and Paul baptized them at that point, and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Spiritual gifts are a hot topic in today's church. We're all familiar with the charismatic movement, and that's one of the emphases of the charismatic movement is on spiritual gifting. And that's a good thing. 
is probably something that we don't talk enough about in reform circles. But I just want to remind all of us this morning that if we're believers, we have been gifted by the Holy Spirit with particular charismatic gifts granted to us, not for our own good, but for the good and the edification of the rest of the church. See, this is what Paul is doing. He's encouraging Timothy to, to utilize those spiritual gifts that have been given to him for that very purpose. There are two particular passages that talk about spiritual actually three of them, but the two primary ones are 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 12. And if you go there, you find there are different lists of spiritual gifts. And one of the things I always challenge people with when we do this is, is not to go through there and kind of pick and choose the spiritual gifts that you think God has given to you. I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one is these are not exhaustive lists. In other words, I don't believe for one minute that Scripture has every spiritual gift listed in it somewhere. That these are all examples and I say that because if, if that's not true, then Paul gave an incomplete list to the people in Corinth, and he also gave an incomplete list to the people in Rome, because even though they overlap a lot, there's some distinct differences between the two. The other thing I always encourage people to consider is this. Because we always like to think that the spiritual gifts that God has given me are the things that I like to do. It's not, it's not so much a question of whether I'm good at it, it's whether I like to do it. And I want to encourage you to understand this morning that you are the, probably the worst person to assess what your spiritual gifts happen to be. Seriously. That what you need to do and what we need to do, what I need to do, we need to listen to what other people say about us. I'm not going to talk about anybody here this morning that's here because I don't want to leave anybody out. But, but, I, but everybody in this room has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you've been received into the kingdom, then you have been spiritually gifted by God. There's some people I can think about of the congregation from years past. Bill Allen. One of the spiritual gifts that's listed there in Scripture is wisdom. And let me tell you, Bill Allen brought, up, brought a lot of wisdom. I mean, he was a very plain, kind of simple guy. Not well-educated or anything like that. But he had a great sense of wisdom that he often shared with us in session meetings. And, uh, and, and, and I know that this is true for not only me, but for all of the other members of the session. We very much miss Bill Allen. He was such an asset to us. I think about Sandy Arline. There's a gift of hospitality that's mentioned, in, and, and I know there's some people here that are, are, that are gifted in hospitality too, but Sandy seemed to be extra specially gifted in hospitality. She was one of those people who loved to have other folks into her house, and when you were there, you felt like you were family. You felt like you were at home. You never felt like you were a stranger. Bill Chastain, there's a gift of service. I used to tease Bill, I'm going to grab a two-by-four and run you out of here. 
because the guy practically lived here at the church, taking care of this and taking care of that. My point here, guys, is Springs Church benefited by all of those people doing what God had called them to do, doing what God had given them special gifts for doing. And he's imparted spiritual gifts to every single one of us. And in one of those passages, Paul likens this whole thing to the human body, and that is, you know, how well can the thumb get along without the foot, and how much is dependent as the tongue upon the brain, and things along those lines. But the picture he's painting there is this, is the way that it all works is when all of the parts are functioning as they're supposed to in unison with each other. So the question is this, are we expressing, are we utilizing those spiritual gifts? And I know a lot of you are. I don't doubt that for a minute. I see you at work. I see what you're doing. I hear what you say. I see your lives being transformed. If Springs Presbyterian Church really is a special place, one of the things you're going to find about it is this, is the people here are doing what the Spirit has set them apart to do. kind of gotten off track a little bit here already, which is not unusual for me to do. Uh, but like I said before, that this, whole, this, this took place with Timothy in a way that really is not normative for today. First of all, I want you to know that a presbytery is just simply a gathering of presbyters or elders. And it's very obvious that in Timothy's case, and I would say this is because Paul probably was one of those elders, that because Paul was there, that there was a special anointing by the Holy Spirit that took place in this whole process with Timothy. That at the time, at this time, that these spiritual gifts were imparted to him. Now, you may be saying, well, well, there were people here that were at my ordination service. Lloyd and Lucy and Walter and Deborah and Riley and Nancy were there. Stephen was there. He was a little guy then. But, but uh, and Caroline wasn't there. She wasn't born yet. But let me ask you something. Do you remember the whistling of the wind? Do you remember tongues of fire coming out of heaven and and, and resting down upon us or upon me? The answer to that is no. Nothing like that happened. Nothing so spectacular as that happened at my ordination. Every time that we have elected deacons and elders, we have brought them before you, and they have knelt, and the elders here have laid hands upon them. Is it at that time that the spiritual gifts that are necessary for those offices are conveyed to those guys? No. That is not the normative thing that happens today. 
normally what I would say is this, is that spiritual gifting takes place at our conversion and at the discretion of God whenever he may determine he wishes to give you a particular spiritual gift. He's not bound by any limitation we might set upon him. You may have spiritual gifts tomorrow that you don't have today. But it's always with God's purpose in mind. So what's the difference? Because I just want to say that there is a difference between the ordination of Lloyd May and the ordination of Timothy. There are no apostles here. There is no one here that serves as a conduit for the, the Spirit of God to fall upon people. Does that mean what we're doing is out of accord of things? I'd say absolutely not. But we need to understand that there really is a difference. There actually is a Greek word... Kairotonia or kairotoneo, which is the verb form, which simply means to extend the hands. And that's what it literally means, to extend the hands. We find it applied in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians, where they had set apart a particular man to accompany Paul for the purpose of collecting the offering, uh, the, the, the relief offering that was being carried to Jerusalem. He was set apart by the laying on of hands. He was appointed by the laying on of hands. And there are a number of other examples of that in Scripture. See, this is what I would say is taking place when we ordain guys to become elders and deacons. It's not that we are being conduits of the Holy Spirit and especially gifting them now to do those offices. What we're doing is we are pointing to the office that God has called them to fulfill by extending our hands upon them. Take pains with these things. What things? Well, spiritual spiritual gifts, and we would say teaching and preaching. Be absorbed in them. In other words, let them dominate what you do and who you are. For what purpose? So that your progress may be evident to all. Judy just came up to me, and uh, this is what she said. And you need to understand this. I don't think I'm a great preacher. I don't think I'm a wonderful preacher. I mean, I really don't, honestly. I think you could do far better than me. But what she said to me is this. She said, Keith, I've just seen you grow so much from when you started to where you are now. Your preaching now is so different than it used to be. What do you think, Amber? (laughs) 
She was there for the very first one, and she knows it was El Stinkerino awful. It was horrid. It was horrible. And I don't know why anybody in their right mind would have come back the second time. Seriously. But I hope what you're saying is true. I hope that I'm growing. And as I'm growing, that it's being reflected in, in, in how you see me portray myself and what I do on Sunday morning and how I do what I do and what I say more than anything else. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I just had this real earnestness, sense of earnestness about me uh, at this point that we need to be moving ahead. I think it's so easy for us to fall into slumps and get comfortable where we are, and especially with the retirement mentality that's so prevalent today that I put my time in. You need to understand that this is something I personally have been struggling with. I don't know how many times in more recent days I've said to myself or I've said to Lori, you know, I felt like I put my time in. We've given our whole life to this stuff. It would be nice to take off. It would be nice to have more time to spend with our kids and to spend with our grandkids and to just travel. Lord, and I love to travel. Me more than her, she goes, because I like it. Uh, but she and I are going up to Niagara Falls in just a few weeks. It's one of those natural wonders in the United States I've never seen. And we were real close one time and decided not to go and, and all of that. And I just mentioned it not too long ago. And... And we've used to do this. We haven't done it much in more recent years, but we used to go off on our anniversaries pretty much every year. It might be just go to the beach for a couple of days or something like that. We've been to, we went to Las Vegas one year. Not for the reason most people go there. We went there because it was real cheap. <laughs> it was real cheap, and we didn't even spend, we, we spent the night in the motel in Las Vegas, but we were at the Hoover Dam, and we were at the Grand Canyon and all over the place. During the daytime, we spent very little time in Vegas, and we didn't even put one nickel in the slot machine. But she's taking me to Niagara Falls in a couple of weeks, and I can't wait to go. Because I just, I love to travel. I would go just about anywhere. I love going to Africa. I, I want to go back to Europe so bad I can taste it. We love going to the mountains. This is like the first summer that we haven't been to the mountains in North Carolina or Tennessee in, in, in a, a very long time. We love going. But we still have work to do. It's God's work. And God's work's got to come first. And only he can say, enough is enough. So we're going to forge ahead. But I hope that our progress is evident to people. And I hope that's true for every one of us. Not the first time Paul has basically said to Timothy to pay close attention to something. So now pay close attention to yourself. Keep an eye on yourself and to your teaching. 
we were talking about this in, Sunday, in, in the session meeting just a couple of weeks ago. We're getting ready to change Sunday school a little bit. We've been working on the Psalms now for like two and a half or three years. And we decided we probably maybe need to take a break from the Psalms. And we're going to be allowing whoever happens to be teaching Sunday school on particular Sundays to pick whatever they want to teach. Uh, rather than being bound to do Psalm 135 or something like that. It doesn't mean we won't get back to it eventually. But for right now, we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to break free and we're going to start in November. Uh, because when we first started out on this, I'm not sure we were intending on continuing all the way through. We're only about halfway through now. We've been working on it for over two years. And there's just a whole lot more of the Bible to be done. Uh, and you may not realize it, but there are certain psalms that are somewhat repetitive of other psalms, and et cetera, and et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to forge ahead because we, we know that we need all need to hear uh, a great measure of of the Word of God, and it can't be focused just in one or two areas. It's got to be all over the the panorama of the Bible. And so we're going to be doing that. Persevere in these things. Uh, for as uh, you do this, uh, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear I thought that it was by Jesus that we were saved. It looks to me like the Apostle Paul here is saying that we have the ability to save other people. Isn't that what it says? Well, let me tell you something. Literally, that is what it says. Is that what it intends? You and I both know the answer to that question is nada. That salvation only comes by and through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and no one else. We can't save ourselves, much less anyone else. So what is it that he means here? Ultimately, I think it is this, that there will be benefit. There will be benefit, not only to yourself, but for those who are around you. In other words, as Timothy focuses on those spiritual gifts of teaching and preaching, exhortation he's been given, and all the other ones too, by the way. I'm sure those were not the only ones granted to Timothy. And I would imagine the same thing is true for all of us. It's not that he gives us one spiritual gift or two spiritual gifts. I would imagine he gives each one of us a whole gamut of spiritual gifts, maybe some to stronger measure and others to lesser measure. But certainly a number of them. That by the expression of those gifts that Timothy himself will be benefited and not only that, the people who hear what he has to say will benefit, be benefited as well. Unbelievers, perhaps, will be challenged to consider the, uh, the truth of the gospel in a Jesus. Do you ever get sick and tired of hearing the word of God? Seriously. You get tired of it? 
say, well, I've just had enough of it for now. I'm going to put it on the back burner and forget about it for the next couple of weeks or the next few months or maybe the next year or the next ten years. I have a Bible sitting on my desk. I have a bunch of Bibles on my desk. And I've been working on this one now for a little while because I committed a long time ago to being a regular reading through the Bible. And I continue to do that, not as faithfully as I used to. But pretty much every day, even if it's just for five minutes, that Bible's sitting there. And I pick it up. And I read it. And I look forward to it. I want to do it. It's not something I make myself do because the pastor and the pastor should be doing that stuff. I look forward to it. I look forward to Monday morning because, you know, because I'm doing what I'm doing this morning. There's a sense in which I don't get to worship like you do. Very often on Monday morning, first thing I'll do is I have my own little worship where I'll be singing hymns and say, please don't come in here early Monday morning. And I do my Bible reading. And I go before the throne, and more often than not, I lift your names, every one of them. Before the throne of grace.